anger, when it is a sin and when it's not, next on Truth For Today. It's easy to think that anger is nothing more than unbridled sin. Well, that's not always the case, as we'll see today. Hi, and welcome to Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard from Valley Bible Church in Hercules. Continuing our series, God's Design for Life, the practical side of life out of Ephesians chapter 4, we'll see today the verse, in your anger do not sin, which tells us a lot of things about anger, some of which just might startle you. With more, here's Pastor Phil Howard with today's program. Tozer wrote something uh, years ago about unsaintly saints. He said, a bad disposition has been called the vice of the virtuous. The woman who would not gamble or smoke or attend places of worldly amusements may yet manifest a churlish temper and keep her family in terror with her acid tongue. A man who will fight for the faith once delivered to the saints may be so hard to live with that his family actually wishes him gone and feels little real sorrow when he finally shuffles off this mortal coil to go as he had fondly believed to dwell with the saints in the peace of heaven forever. Dispositional sins are fully as injurious to the Christian cause as the more overt acts of wickedness. These sins are many as the various facets of human nature. Just so there may be no misunderstanding, let us list a few of them. Sensitiveness, soon touchy, irritability, fault-finding, peevishness, stumbling over dimes, temper, resentfulness, cruelty, uncharitable attitudes, and of, of course, there are many more. These kill the spirit of the church and slow down any progress which the gospel may be making in the community. Many a soul who had been secretly longing to find Christ has been turned away and embittered by manifestations of ugly dispositional flaws in the lives of the very persons who were trying to win them. You see, people who come to Christ must first pass through the circle of disciples that are trying to lead them to Christ. And often the one introducing them to Christ is not a representation of what they'll receive when they receive Christ because they have a bad dispositional behavior. We come to one of the most explosive issues in our whole makeup and what to do in Christianity. It's the issue of temper, anger, and emotion in that sense. Look at what he says. We begin at verse 25. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to his neighbor. For we are members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. Notice verse 31. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, 
and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. It's interesting to see the verse, the debate that has gone on. Some have understood it a command to get angry. Be angry, the way King James, New American, they take it an imperative of you ought to get angry. NIV has reflected the more uh, recent scholarship that takes it as a concessional imperative. If you do get angry, uh, I'm not commanding you to be angry, but in case you do get angry, here are some guidelines for how to handle it. Uh, John Stott in his commentary does a whole uh, thesis on the things we ought to be angry at. And there is a place for righteous anger. But it seems to be one of those emotions that can be usually used for your benefit. When I first learned this verse and saw it, in my marriage, if I was angry, I'd quote it to my wife. Be angry and sin not. And one day she said, you seem to be overusing that verse. You use it an awfully lot. Because the tenor of scripture will teach us that anger is not the preferred emotion to be found in the believer. We do have it and we have to deal with it and we have to know what to do with it. And so we'll go on that study. Let's look at what is anger. Get away from the text and let me give you some introductory remarks. Swindoll gives this definition. Anger is an emotional reaction of hostility that brings personal displeasure either to ourselves or to someone else. When God is angry, he plans to do something that may be going to be hostile. It hurts him first. It's going to hurt you next. And God, if you read the Old Testament and the New Testament, God is a God of wrath or a God of anger. That is there. He says in chapter five, we were children of wrath at one time and the wrath of God in verse six, let no one deceive you with empty words for because of such things, God's wrath, God's anger comes on those who are disobedient. Let me say this. God is angry with the wicked every day, according to the Psalms. God is not just all love. He's got more than one attribute. He's not just lovey-dovey. He has created hell out of anger towards sin. He is going to judge the earth in severe judgment because the wicked shall be judged. And if you read the Psalms for about the first Psalms, oh, you'll find 15 references where he says he hates the wicked, not just what they do, but what they are. We've always said God hates the sin, but loves the sinner. Friend, he also hates the wicked. So you want to know that God has anger. He's not just some glorified Santa Claus that you've made in your own image. This God is angry. You don't flood the entire earth and spare only eight people because you can't get angry. And judgment is still coming because God is going to crush the nations and show them he is the only God and all rivals will be destroyed. If you don't like that theology, you don't believe the Bible. That is not hellfire and brimstone. That is an accurate description of our God. That is one aspect of him. We always talk about his love. Who wouldn't want to talk about his love? That's what we flee to. That's what's delivered us from his wrath. But we must never undo the fact he has a righteous wrath and anger. Uh, 
Another Meneth gives this definition. Anger is defined as intent to preserve. And I really think he's going to the sources of anger. I get angry if my personal worth is at stake, essential needs uh, or basic convictions are under a threat. I would say both definitions fall short. They, they don't say enough. Uh, let's just say anger is an emotion that we all experience when things are not going our way normally. And with that anger, we have to make choices of what we're going to do. And so we come to anger expressed. Uh, in this room, everybody has a battle with anger. Uh, the, the ones who always get the bad rap is number three, the anger that harms. The two classic ways that we deal with anger is we fight or flight. We stand in there and duke it out verbally, physically, however, or we, we run from it. Uh, other two phrases is we either blow up, we become Mount Vesuvius, and we are just pouring out the lava of our disgust about whatever made us angry. And that's the classic brawler way that we look at it. Or we see the more subtle and just as lethal way, we clam up. We suppress it. We don't want anyone to know we're upset. And this can certainly happen in marriage when you marry a 220-pound man and you're a 95-pound woman. She can never win the physical fight, but she can still get angry. What does she do with it? Now, of course, some know how to make tea with arsenic. We know that. <laughs> but a very classic way is, uh, where, do I, where do I take my anger? And so they suppress, uh, they shut down. Uh, I found, and I find this matter of anger has been one of the most difficult emotions to know what to do with as a believer. I loved anger in the sense of being when I was unsaved. As long as I was running with guys, I thought I had a chance of whipping. If they were bigger, I had to suppress it. I loved to express it if I thought I could win. You can cuss them, you can hit them, you can be brutal. And it just felt so good to watch them bleed, either verbally or physically. Have any men ever experienced that? Could I just see honest confession? Thank you. The rest of you are semi-lying. <laughs> They're just a great thrill that, whew, I got rid of the agitation of it. Ah, then you get saved. You're a hothead in sports. And I was that way. Don't like to lose. And not that good. I've lost many games. David used to always beat me in ping pong. I always felt I was better, but he always won and tease me in the midst of it, and tease him and Paul, they love to tease me. Hey, then it gets saved. At one time I had just quit sports, I had to step away from anything with competition because I could not stand to lose without bad anger. Immature. And then I became a pastor. And no pastor ever gets angry. They're the epitome of Jesus. They just, they, they just never feel disgusted with the people. Someone tells them off in their spirit, they just say, I'm so glad they vented on me. <laughs> Go ahead, I, I feel called to it. No inside, I say, why did you do that? But I didn't know where to go with anger in the church. And I learned to stuff in the church. I stuff with individuals. 
Forbearance is the word. Forbearance. Be gentle. Be meek. Be humble. Don't ever get angry. Because if you're angry in the church, that's sin. And it usually is. But it's been a frustrating thing to know what to do with does the pastor and the deacons ever get a right to be angry and still not sin? I'm not angry this morning, by the way. I just want you to know that. <laughs> Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. <laughs> oh, the whole audience gets too quiet. Said, Whoa, sounds threatening already. Uh, I just gave you, as I've read on this subject, the different ways people express anger. Suppression, that's the clam up. Open aggression, that would be the blow up. Passive aggression is hidden resentment. These are the people that scare you. They're just tolerating you and waiting for the moment to blast you. But they look harmless. They're, they're lethal. Assertive truthing seems to be the closest to the biblical way that we are to be truthing to each other with love. That we are willing to confront issues that need to be confronted and at the same time communicate, I care for you, but we must address this. And that seems to be the biblical balance and we have to learn it. And of course, the fifth way is dropping it or just forgiving people and going on because the person that uh, you want your anger at may be dead. Maybe your mom or dad. It may be a dad that abused you as a child. It may be someone that did you great harm and there's no way you could resolve it uh, by truthing and love. They got away with murder, as it were, and you've been seething in anger about it for maybe most of your life. So it can consume you. Uh, give you some examples here of uh, sinful anger. Uh, Cain killed his brother because he was angry with him in Genesis 4. God accepted his offering, or rather Abel's, and did not accept Cain's. So instead of Cain getting right with God, instead of him repenting or making the adjustment, he just eliminates the man that God blessed, and he kills him. The first murder, just think of it, the first family in the human race gave birth to a murderous son. And it was over religion. It wasn't over another woman. It was over religion on how you could be acceptable to God. He said, I'll kill the one that's been accepted. Anger out of control. Moses disobeys God. My, and I identify with Moses many times in leadership. Here, everybody, we want water, we want water, we want water. I'm not a water tank. I need water too. We want water, we want water. You better get us water or we're gonna go back to Egypt. You'll be dead before you get back there. You're out here too far. I want it, I want it, I want it. Give these rebels water, Lord. And whoo, there's the water. And everybody says, that's all we wanted. Thanks, Moses. God says, Moses, you allowed your anger towards the people dis to disobey my word. I told you to speak to the rock, not strike it. Now, they're all happy because they got results. And who cares how we get results? Let's just get results. But you did not honor me before the people. You broke the rule. And now you're not going to inherit the land. When we had our first building program to build across the street here, uh, we called it Project Canaan. And I used to tell our uh, elders and deacons when we'd meet trying to wrestle that through, sometimes we'd be 
trying to figure out a problem. And I would keep telling them, I just don't want to hit a rock on the way to Canaan. I just don't want to get so angry I do something foolish. And God says, you won't be able to move into that building. You're going to have to leave that church because you've gotten angry and you've disobeyed my word in the process. And you may have experienced similar things, but Moses, he just uh, blew it. And I've, I feel sorry for him through the rest of the Bible that he didn't get to go into the land because I thought they had it coming. I mean, he, he should have told them off, but just not hit the rock. But in our anger, we lose our perspective and we were trying to get back to people. You can't get back at people and violate what God's told you to do to people. And there's the restraint. And when you violate this vertical restraint, then you get into trouble with God. You may have told them off and they may not be able to get even with you, but God can. So he's the regulator in this whole thing. Uh, anger characterizes the foolish and the person to be avoided. Look at what he says. A fool gives full vent to his anger, but a wise man keeps himself under control. Is that not powerful? Did you know that according to the Bible, you choose what you do with anger? You don't have to blow up. You choose to blow up. You don't have to clam up. You choose to do it. You're making choices where you take this emotion. The emotion you don't have to deny but what you do with it is what God holds you responsible for. So here a fool is always, I just tell people, I just tell them like it is. I'm just a straightforward person. Oh no, you're just an angry person. To be avoided. An angry man stirs up dissension and a hot-tempered one commits many sins. And all the hotheads said, amen. For as churning the milk produces butter and as twisting the nose produces blood, so stirring up anger produces strife. A patient man has great understanding, but a quick-tempered man displays folly. If you're being controlled by anger, you're a very immature person on any level, in Christianity or out of it. It, uh, it, it is destructive. Do not be quickly provoked in your spirit, for anger resides in the lap of fools. And then you have James, be slow to anger. This is something that you want to put all the brakes on and not be giving vent to it. It's something to be restrained and all like a spirited horse that if it doesn't have rain and bit in it, a spirited horse will drive you to your death. It's scary. Let me give you some characteristics of sinful anger. We're still introducing, but I just thought you needed this for the weekend. Uh, explosive, sinful anger is explosive or hurtful to others. When he describes the works of the flesh in Galatians, he calls it fits of rage. Just, you don't care. You just want to get the, uh, uh, the hurt, the venom out, and it doesn't matter who hears. It doesn't matter what you call your wife in front of your kids. It doesn't matter to you what you call the kid in front of his peers. You're going to vent that emotion and it feels so good and devastation's all over the place. It's like a bomb went off in the room, but man, you feel good. You feel relieved and you got bodies all over the place. Anger that intends to get vengeance is always wrong. If you're expressing your feeling and anger because you want to get even, 
The Bible says vengeance is the Lord's. Uh, Getting even is God's business. We don't get that prerogative with his blessing. Anger that violates the command to love. <laughs> Those that you get angry with, according to scripture, the overriding principle is you've got to love them. And what's the loving way to settle whatever's making you angry and love them at the same time? Truth in love. Truth in love. So that when you're angry, you've got to keep loving them. When you're angry, you just got to keep loving them. That's a great challenge. Uh, anger that uses negative speech to tear down the other person is always wrong. Because he's just qualifying this anger thing. He's going to give verse 29. Watch your speech. And don't we say things when we're angry that we live to regret? And we say this. I didn't mean to say it. Come over here, baby. Kiss me. Uh-uh. Honey, we're husband and wife. No, 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 no. Right now we're enemies. You said my mother is such and such. You said, well, honey, I was just angry. I know, and I'm angry now. It's my turn. Let's make love. I feel amorous. You better get over it, boy. <laughs> it's going to be a long season. Honey, I shouldn't be begging for conjugal privileges and you shouldn't be Godzilla with my feelings. You just tore me up inside. Now you want my body because it just makes you feel like a man. Well, I'm planning to emasculate you. If you do that to me emotionally again, you can't shoot me down emotionally and expect me to be Bridget Bardot in the bedroom. And I don't even know how good Bridget is in the bedroom. I just used her name. So don't quote me. She seemed like she'd be pretty great. I don't know. It's just a passing thought. Whoa, hey, let's keep moving here. What? Get your minds on the Lord right now. I just lost this service. Uh, finally, uh, uh, well, fifth, we've got a sixth point. We just ran out of six on our computer. Uh, uh, anger that is held within. Anger that is held within so that resentment and bitterness sets in. And that's exactly what I see happening in marriages. We start out and man, they get married in a fever. They just can't wait to make love and be physical. Get down there six months or a year and poof, it's like brother, sister iceberg. They just floated in from the Arctic. What done happened? You can't get lovers out of two people full of resentment. We're now acting out hypocrisy to be romantically involved in a bedroom because we're mad as hell in our spirit towards one another. That's why Hollywood makes love look great. It's all the, we got married in a fever. It's all the sexual, the erotic, the, the one night stand. Or it's not raising kids, paying bills and living through spats. It's just, oh, it's all the physical. He said, man, if we just had that, what happened? Well, you've called her an idiot for five years. And she thinks you're an idiot and doesn't have enough nerve to tell you but the reason she's crying all the time in her spirit, she thinks you're worse than an idiot, but she doesn't have the courage to yet tell you. And then she has to make love with you. 
because you saw some playboy centerfold and you come home up all revved up to make love has nothing to do with how you feel about her. You just happen to be biologically turned on. And she's smart enough to know it. That's what happens. So we go buy movies to surrogate and to vicariously watch them make love in a way we used to. How it used to be. And then all of a sudden we hear Barbara, he doesn't bring me flowers anymore. <laughs> no, he brings you Maylocks. He brings you Rolades because you're living together and your stomach's churning all the time because you've learned to hold it in. One anger destroys the other person. The stuffers destroy themselves. And this is Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard from Valley Bible Church in Hercules. Our series is called God's Design for Your Life. As we close the program out, we would invite you to contact us if you would like to obtain a copy for yourself of either today's message or the entire series. Call us today, 855-833-9864. Again, information can be had at 855 833-9864 or simply visit our website truthfortodayradio.org If you would like a copy of today's program a prayer request, maybe you would like to partner with us financially, we would love to hear from you. Call, drop by our website or write to us at 1511 M. Sycamore Avenue Suite 278 Hercules, California and the zip code is 945 Thank you so much for joining us today, and until next time, God bless.